Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Sarah. This is Kat. And welcome to Books and Babies. On this episode, we... Oh my god, are you still sick? <laughs> and like coughing? From yesterday? <laughs> yes <laughs> okay sometimes you get like noticeably better after like sleeping okay? yesterday evening leave me alone <laughs> sometimes i wake up and i just feel miles better but maybe i'm just so healthy yeah you're just miles ahead of me like in evolution sense <laughs> <laughs> anyways so on this episode of Books and Bevies, we are talking about The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. A classic literature book. Mm-hmm. Do you have a do you have a bevy? Oh yeah, I do. I have a cup of tea because from when we recorded yesterday, like a mere 12 hours ago, I am still sick. Fucking <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You're so and you? Um, sure do. I also have a bubbly again. Ooh, what flavor? Peach. It's pretty good. Big fan. My um, my roommate's friends who kind of live close by, they also have like an affinity for sparkling water. So we all get along real great. <laughs> I can't get behind the trend of sparkling water. I've had like several occasions where like I've been out to like a lunch or dinner or something and it's only sparkling water that's been like ordered for the table. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how everyone enjoys this, like a non-flavored sparkling water. Because to me, the closest equivalent that I can like explain how sparkling water tastes to me is how it feels to watch tv static yeah i only like flavored sparkling water i don't like plain yeah like that's the vibe i get and i'm like does no one feel this like are we is it hydrating (laughs) i wonder i mean it must be it's water it's just got bubbles in it yeah it's just it's something's it feels wrong like i feel like the flavored ones i can understand because it's kind of like it's kind of like pop, you know? Yeah. Like a plain. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't like plain sparkling water. You're right. It does just kind of like taste like TV static. And do you have a reason for drinking <laughs> an update in the last 12 hours, as you said? Um, Not really. My uh, grades actually came out for the previous semester. Um. I did well, so that was nice. That's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And yeah, and I'm still sick, so I need tea. Fair. <laughs> That's why I'm drinking. You? Um hmm. not really. Today was kind of a boring day for me. Just kind of sat around, finished the picture of Dorian Gray, uh, did a bunch of editing, so caught up on that um did some handyman work on our oven in our place and yeah that's honestly it boring day but that's fine (laughs) I um 
I feel like I went into this book a bit negatively. <laughs> Not gonna lie. I assumed I would dislike it. And that's how it started. And you know what? I ended up liking it significantly more than you'd assume I would. Yeah, for me, I would almost say it was kind of the opposite. There were definitely parts where I really, really liked this book. But I feel like because like this was my pick, it was on my list. So I had been like kind of exposed to it before. Um, so like there were certain parts like specifically in the beginning where I found this book quite boring um and it took me a while to get into but I will say that the parts that were interesting to me were like really cool and really interesting like basically the second half of the book yeah to be fair I really did not I feel like I was texting you (laughs) this is the part (laughs) that I was texting you was the beginning half of this book where I was like I don't like it Mm -hmm. um but like as soon as you hit the halfway point it becomes like notably better yeah and like I'm sure that in the beginning of the book there's like probably some clear foreshadowing that we naturally would have missed but yeah it was yeah I don't don't know I feel like this book is a really good um like first book to read if you want to like start getting into the classics because it is short it's only like 224 pages I think um so like I feel like that is a good like starting point as opposed to getting into like maybe a thicker classic for your first time um and then yeah also like once it does get interesting it gets really really interesting so it's like yeah yeah there is some character development in this book but not in the way that you think yeah a hundred percent and like I will say also this book is definitely like it's very male dominated so I feel like that might also be why I liked it a little bit less than I was anticipating um it's it's something about reading things that are set in old time periods. Mm-hmm. I don't really enjoy reading um, when they talk about women in that like sense. When they're like, oh, like time to get married, mm-hmm. have children because that's what you're for. And you're like, okay, wow, what a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this book is ex- it, like especially bad for that Mm -hmm. where but but it was like like the the plot itself and like the idea behind the book was very interesting yeah and I don't think it's really like you were saying the book is very like male-centric that like women are not really a large part of this story I feel like the like when I said like male dominated too, I didn't even like just mean like when it comes to the perspectives in the book. I mean, there was just kind of like also a lack of female characters in general. So it was very like it was mostly about three men. Like yeah. and there was like some female side characters that like were mentioned throughout the book. But overall, it was a story revolving around one guy, Dorian Gray. Um and his like two buddies who are both men with very like different ideals, uh like philosophies and such. Which you know, I think is kind of interesting because I feel like we read a lot of books that have like many, many perspectives. <laughs> it seems to be something that we um happen to read a lot. So it was it was very different having like basically three characters. Mm-hmm and like one main character it was just um not what we usually read yeah and there also like wasn't a lot of dialogue in this book either where I feel like a lot of the books that I read and I like will have like a lot of dialogue but a lot of it was just like 
the main character like contemplating his philosophies and stuff like that so that was kind of interesting but I I did realize when reading this book that I prefer more dialogue um I definitely not like an entire book of dialogue but just like a little bit more like a little bit more like character interaction with each other fair and like yeah like a little bit more characters like I know there have been books where we have had like trouble keeping up with characters and like if too many characters are introduced all at once um but yeah obviously like this book was written by a man and it revolves around three men so it's kind of like yeah it was just kind of like an interesting read and it was deeper than many of the books I think that we've picked up recently definitely like it 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 was way more philosophical um than I was expecting um I I didn't really know what to expect but I just wasn't thinking it would be like this and like it has a that's some sad themes in this book too (laughs) yeah but I feel like this book is also so interesting because it kind of like shows the male perspective especially with one of the characters like kind of in or I guess two of the characters kind of in um a negative way for the time and um Oscar Wilde was actually gay so I think that like that is super interesting because that's why his I think that would be why his like take on masculinity was so interesting when it comes to like specifically like the super misogynistic character that I'm thinking of like I don't think there that the intention was for that character to be liked no he definitely wasn't painted in a very good light exactly so I find that super interesting because that's another thing is like I went into this book knowing that Oscar Wilde is gay so I was very interested to like see how that would you know have affected his writing because uh at the time being gay was illegal so I feel like there was a lot of subtext in the book that subtext in the book that was just like very interesting to read from like an extremely closeted homosexual at a time when being gay was illegal and like probably not even like thought of very much. Hmm. I didn't, I did not know that going into this book. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I will violently switch the tone of this conversation um, (laughs) to say the best part of reading this book is Sarah and I had this conversation talking about Dorian, like (laughs) the how Dorian looks. And because we had read this so close to Sarah J. Bass's wonderful series, Throne of Glass, where one of the main characters' name is Dorian, we ended up talking about two different Dorians and like for the life of me I was like what in this world like what is Sarah describing right now like this is the weirdest character description it feels like she hasn't read either book I was just so confused and Sarah obviously thought I was an idiot too because I was like why are you describing him like that but it took us a minute like Mm -hmm. we had a conversation about these two characters fully in different universes um mm-hmm. and yeah it was a struggle because I was talking about the picture of Dorian Gray and I said that I imagined Dorian looking like who the guy who plays um Lucas in One Tree Hill I forget the oh my actress, god like, yes that's where it came out <laughs> yeah so I, for, I forgot the actor's real name but I was like that's what I picture when I pictured Dorian and Katrina thought I meant Dorian from Throne of Glass who has black hair and blue eyes and she was like I was like you know what I'd probably go Nathan if I had to pick <laughs> one of the two <laughs> and we were just not on the same page at all both looking at each other and talking to each other like we were both so stupid um yeah, just, you know. neither of us connected the dots that obviously there was more than one Dorian in our very recent readings. Yeah, um, it took us a second. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the best part. Yep. That was probably one of the funniest conversations. I wish we could have had it, like, 
here, but obviously we would have, you would have known if we had done it yeah. while recording, you wouldn't have assumed that I meant Dorian from Throne of Glass. I'm like, let me just pick a different character. <laughs> I actually just don't even want to think about anything other than the Sarah J. Mass universe. Yeah, I know. That's the funny thing that I just like assumed it wasn't the book that we were currently reading. I was like, <laughs> naturally, we're talking about Sarah J. Mass's Dorian. I'm sure that people who listen to this podcast must get so annoyed with us bringing up Sarah J. Mass and Akatar at least once an episode. <laughs> I know it's 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 genuinely a problem. Um, I want you to know that it carries through in my everyday life. So it's not just the now problem. It's not just you guys who are dealing with it. Don't worry. Um, well, I think that's everything spoiler-free that I have to say. Um, yeah, I don't really think I have anything to add. Actually, one thing that I do have to say before um, we get into like the specific spoilers is before you read this book just to like warn you because this kind of threw me off and this was one of the reasons that I found this book really hard to read there are some long sentences in this book yeah I I feel like it's a bit old English mm -hmm. definitely but I feel like this book in particular and I've read like a decent amount of classics but this book I like it got to a point where I would be like reading a sentence and I would have to like stop halfway through the sentence, go back to the beginning of the sentence because I thought maybe I had missed a period somewhere. Like sentence, some sentences would be like almost as like basically a paragraph. So yeah. You know what? Hear me out. This, this is going back to my English class hate. <laughs> Something like this is considered like, you know, classic literature. Wow. Great. Transcends times. If I wrote a sentence that long in English class, I would have been ruined. Like, <laughs> oh, it drags on. Add, like, several periods. Okay, why? If Oscar Wilde can do it, can't I? In what world can I not write a really long sentence? All right, should we just get into the spoilers? Yeah, well, do you have an overall rating? Oh, yeah. Oh, you go first. No, no. it's all you. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know. I will say I didn't hate the first half of the book. It was very just like middle ground for me where like it was boring, but I definitely didn't hate it. I think Um, I think I like actively disliked the first half of the book. Based on how much I complained over text. (laughs) Yeah, you did. And then honestly, also, even in the second half of the book, like basically like halfway through the book, there's like a moment and then there's kind of a lull after that again. And then like the last quarter of the book is really good, I would say. Mm -hmm. But I feel like overall. uh, Maybe just a seven. Fair enough. Because I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure if the good parts of the book were like good enough to get it higher than that because I I would say like the first half of the book I was like sitting at a five like just very medium very middle ground very just like boring basic classic literature but then the the exciting stuff kind of upped it a little bit by two points I'm gonna stick with seven yeah I think I'll probably go with like a 6.5 I very much was not a fan of the beginning not like the writing was good it was like fine to read I just like I didn't know what was happening and I was just very bored reading the first half of the book like I didn't care for any of the characters I just kind of wanted it to end Mm -hmm. and you know that's not that's not the vibe you want from a book um however it gets significantly more interesting in the second half. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh. And that's when the complaints stopped. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely difficult to read for the first half. Because basically, like, yeah, I mean, like, let's just get into the spoilers. Um, 
So like the first half of this book is basically just three men talking. (laughs) And I feel like the hardest part for me is like, I didn't know the characters yet. So like when, when they were talking at each other, I wasn't confident who was talking and at who, if it was just all together. And I was just like, what is happening? And also I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I think um, the only character I really uh, cared about from the beginning was Basil, because I'm pretty sure that Basil was supposed to be gay in this book and like a representation of Oscar Wilde, Um, because there's like his obsession with Dorian and like his beauty and stuff like that. And then there's like a quote I have where uh, Basil's describing meeting Dorian. and it says, I turned halfway around and saw Dorian Gray for the first time. When our eyes met, I felt like I was growing pale and a curious sensation of terror came over me. And I feel like that was, you know, a man of this time being attracted to Dorian. And then there was another quote later in the book where. You know what? This book makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> Are you being my English teacher right now? Totally. Dorian inviting uh, Halward and uh, Lord Henry to watch the play of the (laughs) girl that he'd fallen in love with is maybe the funniest thing that I've ever read. I know I was like, oh, yeah, I don't like the way they they talk about women. However, this particular way... (laughs) It's so funny to me. Is might be honestly my favorite line ever. Um in this book where they're describing the woman that Dorian had fell in love with and was planning to marry. And it's like it was simply bad art. She was a complete failure. Imagine someone describing you as that. It was so funny because I actually like have a point where um because Dorian was like so obsessed with this girl and like was just saying that she was so beautiful and so talented um, and he was in love with her. And then when they were going to the play and I, I literally have a note where I said it would be so funny if they end up thinking she's ugly or untalented or both. <laughs> and you were right. I was right because I just thought I, I didn't actually like anticipate it, but I thought it would be funny. I I did find that turnaround very abrupt, though. That, like, Sybil goes from being the love interest of Dorian Gray. They see her, she sucks, and then she's dead. Like, (laughs) it happens in a few pages, and I was like, I'm sorry. I have no idea what the plot of this story is, and someone has already died. Well, here's the thing. At that point, I was like getting a lot more invested in the book. And I was like, ooh, the pace is like speeding up a bit. And then immediately after Sybil dies, it's just like nothing for a good long while. And then there's like this huge monologue of like Dorian's internal dialogue of him like researching jewels and tapestry and other things. And I was like, this is so fucking boring. <laughs> I was like, see, and it's it's things like that where I I feel like I'm just not appreciating the art of the writing itself when I read monologues like that, and I'm like, wow, this is boring. Because like it's obviously well written, and I just like it's not something that I think I can appreciate as much as I think I should. Yeah. I will say though too like it's kind of funny because uh when Dorian was like losing his shit at Sybil um I was kind of like okay this is very harsh but at least he wasn't like doing like the things that Lord Henry was trying to get him to do and like it was clear that Dorian actually liked Sybil for her talent more than her beauty but then, like, he, like, not immediately, I guess, but then, like, a- after in the book, he kind of becomes, like, a total fucking dog and... A monster. Well, <laughs> Dorian Gray is a monster. Yes. Um, 
But yeah, I can't find the quote. Um, I can't find the quote that I was thinking of, but basically there's a, a quote where Dorian and Basil were talking. I think it, I really wonder like when it was, maybe it'll, maybe I'll find it later. But um, Dorian is like pondering to himself and he's like, I wonder if a friendship could have lasted with like a, it being like tainted with romance or something like that. And it was like basically after Basil had kind of confessed his like feelings for Dorian in a sense. And Basil's like, this wasn't me talking to you. Like this was a confession. And so that's why another reason why I think Basil was gay. Ah, I just want to find it. No, never going to find it. Whatever. That's fine. Um, yeah, no, I do kind of want to like talk about Lord Henry in detail though, because I hate that guy. He, you know, he was going to be uh, a menace from the very beginning when he just like, he's, he's a pot stirrer. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. For sure. And like, yeah, just like every single thing that he said was just like, so misogynistic and so self-serving and like he definitely tainted Dorian big time um because I think like in the beginning of the book uh it wasn't until Dorian had kind of like talked to Henry where he like truly became super vain and like super concerned with like preserving his beauty over his own soul which I did really enjoy the theme of that in the book like the kind of philosophy behind like does being good make you ugly does being bad make you ugly like you know I I also liked how like basically literal the theme was like yeah obviously it was like an underlying theme of like good and bad and evil but it was also like the actual picture of Dorian Gray yeah (laughs) which is so funny I know that was like it was funny because it took me a while to actually believe that the picture was magical if that makes any sense because I think especially like for the time period of this book I just anticipated it being like I don't I didn't like it was kind of like, especially when like you read the ending, like it was like a magic painting essentially. And in the beginning when Dorian like noticed the frown lines or whatever on the painting, I thought that Dorian was just like going crazy and like having guilt for what he had done. Yeah, honestly, after reading, like uh, like I read the book, obviously, I'm still not convinced that Dorian just wasn't crazy. <laughs> no, he, he, he killed a man. Oh yeah, he was crazy, but not about the yeah. painting. No, not about the painting. I yeah, just yeah. think Dorian was crazy. Oh no, yeah, for sure. Dorian was definitely like he he was letting that uh painting dictate his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> Lost his mind, murdered a man, <laughs> blackmailed someone else. It's a really strong turn of events for Dorian Gray. Yeah. Yeah. No, I will say that like the main plot points for me were obviously like Sybil's death and Basil's death. Um, Basil's death, I did not see coming. That was like an actual shock for me. That was shocking. And especially like, (laughs) like coming from such a, like we have said, quite boring book. I really, it really, like, came out of left field. It is kind of unfortunate that this book is, like, 75% super boring, just, like, people having very boring conversations or very boring, like, internal monologues, and then when something does happen, it's like, oh my god, because, like, the stuff that does happen is, like, legitimately Murder. Yeah. I feel so bad for Basil, because, like, again, I'm pretty sure he was in love with Dorian because also when Basil like goes to confront Dorian he's like 
you are hurting me with your actions and like I want you to be honest with me and tell me that you're not doing these things or like whatever or just like if you are doing these things then to stop doing these things and then Dorian just fucking kills him like Basil was just trying to help a man out Basil was he was like trying to try to be team Dorian um and it got murdered mm-hmm. and all you know what this really solidified the crazy for me um the fact that Dorian instead of panicking that he's you know murdered friend then proceeded to mm-hmm. plan out how to not get caught and I was like what and what? also slept peacefully afterwards yeah that was disturbing he was and it was like describing and it like describing his sleep and he's like he had no dreams none at all he just had a peaceful restful sleep after murdering one of his best friends and like the only person who was like truly on his side so I think Henry was like his friend but I don't think he was like on Dorian's side you know what I mean yeah that's actually i made the note uh on the dorian was sleeping quite peacefully mm-hmm. and i wrote well i did not see dorian being a full-on psycho yep <laughs> okay also this is like just something that i misread but i found it so funny that i actually like started laughing but there's this um quote where i guess a guy is like buttoning buttoning up his jacket and it says settling his buttonhole in his coat but i read that as sitting his butthole in his coat (laughs) i was like excuse me what (laughs) like i don't understand that (laughs) because there are two points that that happened one i read it like exactly Um, this one I misread but it was so funny but it like threw me off obviously and the other um, thing that like threw me off when reading this and I had to google it because I didn't know what this meant but the word macaroni just like thrown in to this book did you pick up on that no apparently I'll get the full quote I literally just highlighted the word macaroni um It says he had been a macaroni of the 18th century, which apparently at the time means like a very fine gentleman. A macaroni? I was like, like, a macaroni? Is that an insult? (laughs) That's so, that's a wholesome term. I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Speaking of Basil's murder, I'm just going to hop back to that. Lord Henry's reaction was so savage to me because this man the Sybil? No, when when he's talking about uh Basil getting murdered. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, why should he have been murdered? He was not clever enough to have enemies. Like, imagine one, you're murdered, and two, people are insulting you, being like, nah. You weren't smart enough to be murdered. What? Lord yeah. Henry. Like, just the fact that, yeah, like, neither one of them were really worried about their friend. Like, obviously, Dorian, it makes sense because Dorian knew what had happened and, like, n- like knew the outcome of the events. But, like, if one of my friends just, like, mysteriously vanished, I would be so concerned and worried and, like, I would want to know what happened. But... Henry was just kind of like, eh, whatever. It's obviously he didn't get murdered. He's not smart enough to have enemies. <laughs> he, oh my! I was just gonna say this is like this book is very dark. Mm-hmm. Like for two hundred and something pages, there's a lot of death and sadness. Correct. Is that the end of your point? Or are you going to continue after you cough? I was going somewhere, but I forgot it. So that's the end of my point now. Cool. Um, The other thing that like kind of pissed me off, maybe 
they do mention it and I just missed it but did we ever find out what Dorian wrote on that piece of paper while he was like blackmailing that guy to dispose of Basil's body I feel like maybe (laughs) I feel like I would remember (laughs) yeah I can't tell if I don't remember because I just forgot about the book or if I just it didn't happen um because I feel like I would have highlighted it because I highlighted the like him sliding over the note and him like doing that and like what on earth could possibly have been on that note for a man who doesn't even like dorian in the slightest to become an accomplice to murder Mm, for this guy maybe he murdered someone else okay so i looked it up it never explicitly says so you have to analyze the book which is not what I want to do. Um, not a fan of that. But basically, um, the people hypothesize that Dorian was threatening to expose Alan as a homosexual, but it is never explicitly stated. Oh, that's so sad. Hmm. <laughs> Made the book sadder. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. It doesn't say it in the book. Nope. But also, like, that whole interaction just kind of, like... I mean, I guess, like, obviously, um, Dorian knew that he had something on Alan. But, like, that whole interaction where Dorian just, like, basically bluntly goes, I have a body in my attic and I need you to help me dispose of it. And then Alan is like, I'm not going to do it, but I'm also not going to tell on you. And, uh, and then Dorian was like, no, you have to. And he was like, no, I'm not going to. And he's like, well, I have a letter. And then he reads it and decides to help him. But the first like part of that where Alan didn't even know that Dorian had something on him. And he was like, I, like it, he literally says, I shall not inform upon you. It is not my business. And I'm like, excuse me, a man just confessed to murder. And you're just going to be like, mm, well, you, can- you know what? Hear me out. If I walked into a man's home and they told me there was a dead body upstairs that they had (laughs) murdered, I feel like I wouldn't announce to them in their house, in front of them, you know what, I'm going to tell on you. That feels like a risky play. You know what, maybe you're right. I didn't really think of it like that. But you know what, you might be right. Maybe it was just he wasn't going to tell on him. But I, I read it like a... Like a self-preservation. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, cool. Straight up, I would do the same thing. Not a doubt in my mind. I would be like, I won't tell anyone. I swear. Honestly, same. You're right. I I just didn't read it like that. I, um... Did you expect the ending? No. I liked the ending. This is on your list of war and whimsy and (laughs) death. (laughs) Things you like. (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's it's a pretty dark ending. It is a dark ending. (laughs) 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 And I did like it. Okay, just just so everyone knows, uh, Dorian Gray is found hanging dead (laughs) in his home. He's not hanging. Yeah. No. They found the portrait hanging. Oh, the portrait hanging. <laughs> Whatever. He's dead. Yes, he is dead. Portrait hanging. I'm mixing up the portrait. They're one now. Um, my bad. Point being, you like the ending <laughs> where a man is dead. <laughs> tell no. me about it. Okay. Yes, I will tell you. Did you not like the ending? You know what? I did like the ending just because I wasn't, I didn't think it would go that way. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like I just thought Dorian Gray would kind of get out of it okay. I don't really know. I just didn't, I didn't expect his death, I don't think. I didn't, I, th- yeah, I didn't really know what to expect either, especially because he was like, I thought maybe the book was going to end with, like, he chose the moral road and then he eventually got old and died kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's what I was like, 
that's what I was anticipating. But I feel like for me throughout this entire book, I kind of wondered about how far like Dorian's craziness was and I was like wondering like is the painting actually morphing I guess Basil's like reaction to the painting kind of disproves that but I think the way that it ended it proves that the portrait was actually tied to Dorian's soul and I liked that because it's just like a definitive kind of thing that like the painting looked young and Dorian looked withered and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very. I don't even know. It was, it was just a. It was a, the thing is, when we say ending, it's quite literally like the last paragraph. Yes, like that's how it legitimately ends. Or another thing that I thought was, like, I thought that maybe um, Dorian would pick up the knife and, like, slash the painting. And then he would, like, come out of his craziness and realize that the portrait still looked young or something like that. That's what I was kind of anticipating. And I thought that's how it was going to end. Yeah, I I honestly thought he would just, like, get rid of the uh, painting along with Basil, you know? It's like... Basil made it, ruin it with uh, Basil, forget about it, move on, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? This one's a better moral, I think. I think so, too. And yeah, I kind of liked the um, moral of when Dorian decided to do good things, and then he went to go check on the painting to see if it looked better, and then it didn't. And it says, had it been merely vanity that had made him do this good deed... And I thought that was, like, a really good kind of, like, philosophical thought. This book is very philosophical. Um, Because, yeah, it's, like, if you do something good, what what part of that comes from your own... way of trying to come across... (laughs) I'm trying so hard to. <laughs> Does that make sense? My words aren't making sense right now. That me? was the best Michael Scott sentence ever. It started, and you definitely didn't know where it was ending. <laughs> but I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. <laughs> oh my god! Also, just like the um. The reappearance of James Vane, that shocked me a little bit at the opium den and then back again. And then when he was killed and Dorian was just like super excited about his death, like noticeably in front of anyone, he was like, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit, oh God, Dorian, Dorian Gray, man, that man is insane. That man is insane and he's a total dick. But you know, war whimsy death on sarah's list of good book topics leave me alone um yeah and then like fucking lord henry's um opinions also on uh um they didn't know it was james vane but like the like when they found out that someone had died and he goes it was the man's own own fault why did he get in front of the guns and i was like god you are such a dick i know literally everything that lord henry says i was like it kind of like got to the point where if he was like doing a really big monologue and like i would skim it i was like i really don't care about what this man says even if it's like important to the plot I can't handle it. I'm going to hit him, even though he's not real. Yeah. He was infuriating. And then, yeah, was was the green paste inside the box opium? 
Is opium a green paste? <laughs> I can find no information on Google. <laughs> <laughs> Are you also Googling it? No, I don't. I, I, want, yeah, I want to know what you Googled. <laughs> <laughs> Is opium a green paste? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I would have Googled what does opium look like. Oh, that's smarter. But it's just funny to think your Google searches. <laughs> nope, it gives me the different um consistencies it can have and then the colors of poppies that it can come from. None of them are green. So um based on my first Google search, um it does say that the box with the green paste uh heavily is implying that the box is used to keep dorian's opium or hashish okay interesting well that answers one of my questions that i had because like it wasn't explicitly said and i was like i need answers (laughs) i know i like it when it's written directly (laughs) foreshadowing no (laughs) implying no I would rather foreshadowing over implying. Because at least foreshadowing, I'll get it later. (laughs) Implying, (laughs) I just never get it. Yeah, like, I'm not great at inferring. uh, So, unless the implication is, like, wildly clear, I'm not not there. Hashish or opium, I did not get there. (laughs) Nope, I I was like... I'm not gonna lie, green paste. I'm pretty sure I read that and I was like, oh, his special paint. <laughs> I imagined it looking like kind of like slimy, you know? <laughs> like like his, a... <laughs> it's his special Play-Doh. <laughs> That's what I pictured. You know what? It's only implied. It could be Plato. It could be Plato. You know but like, I no, don't no. think Plato existed. It's true. At this point. You know those like, have you ever watched like slime videos on TikTok or Instagram? Where people make slime? Like that's kind of what I pictured. Like a green slime. But like a dark green. Like an emerald green. Kind of translucent. Maybe a little, with, little bit of shimmer in there. With a heavy odor. Oh my god. See, the thing is, I'm not confident that I know what opium, like, like if I smelt it, I wouldn't know. Hashish, I wouldn't know. So, like, the fact that it's described as having, like, a heavy odor, okay, but, like, that doesn't what help odor? Me. <laughs> yeah, like, what kind of odor? Is it sweet? Is it sour? <laughs> Is it bitter? Scent of drugs? Like you need to tell me. (laughs) Do drugs have a scent? Is it all the same scent? (laughs) Does every drug have a different scent? Because if so, I don't know the scent. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I guess I guess this book was written in a time where opium parlors were more common. So you would be like walking down the street and you'd be like, oh, I smell the opium parlor. But then if you could just like walk down the street and there would be an opium parlor, why would you need to like hide it in a little box in your house? Because I think it was like frowned upon. I don't I don't know much about this. Uh, I was going to say this uh, genre of time, but that's not what I mean. This time period. Hmm. Yeah, no, we were so wrong. <laughs> okay, so it was very like a regular. Yeah, no, it says opium dens in China were. It... Granted, this is in China, not in England, which is where I think it took place. So maybe I should. In. <laughs> okay, so apparently in real life, opium dens weren't that common in London. <laughs> but they're very common in English literature. Which I find interesting. I don't know how to take that. I don't know what to say about that. Because I don't know what's fact or fiction anymore. I just did a lot of research for nothing. <laughs> uh, your Google history. Um, yeah, honestly, that was a, a strange rabbit hole about um, opium use that we just went down. Um, however, 
going back to this book, I uh, I liked it. I really liked it too. Well, not really. That was a strong. Word. <laughs> that was a strong word. <laughs> Considering, hear me out though. Not only was it not the genre that I tend to like, it was also in like a time period that I tend not to like either. Mm-hmm. And I still gave it like a 6.5 and I actually enjoyed like the second half of the book is fairly surprising. Mm-hmm. Especially considering like the first half of the book was uh, basically just revolved around the conversations of three boring men. The fact that it turned around and was able to like get above like the five out of 10 mark for me is quite surprising. I, I, I thought this was going to be like a really poor call for us to read on the podcast. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, definitely glad I powered through the first half, I think. Mm-hmm. I really wonder, though, if we weren't doing this for the podcast, would we have finished the book? I think I would have DNF'd it. I don't think I would have DNF'd it, but I think it would have taken me, like, a long time to get through. Like, I think this would be one of those books that I just kind of, like, constantly had. Like, the, the ones where you'd, like, read a chapter and be like, okay, yeah, onto something I want to read, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you're right. I do, I try very, very hard not to, like, stop reading a book midway through. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly don't think I ever have not finished a book, but I also feel like that's because before the podcast, I was, like, pretty much exclusively reading books that I knew I would like or books that were recommended to me by friends. Because I remember, like, you know, like, our childhood we basically had a book club with all of our friends. We would all just like read the same books. So, and then like out of high school, I kind of stopped reading for a while. So this is kind of the first time that I've like, like tried to expand my reading horizons in a sense. And like also had like, had to finish books. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we can't just not finish, like, we can't just not finish a book anymore if we say that we're going to read it, because <laughs> then we'll be like, spoilers, we actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this ends. <laughs> um, yeah, well, honestly, I think that's all I got. Do you have a favorite character or a favorite quote? Um... I think probably Basil would have to be my favorite character. I don't I don't like passionately love any of the characters. They're mm-hmm. just the very clear nose for Lord Henry and Dorian. So Yes. I think Basil is for me as well, but that's mostly because also when I was reading this book, I was reading the subtext of him being a homosexual. So that made him a lot more complex than literally every other character in this book. I guess Dorian was technically a complex character, but he was just a douche, so he's not likable. Yeah. Honestly, this I feel like this book is very quotable. I had two, like, fairly early on that I liked. Um, the first one was... honestly it was lord henry so oh no (laughs) but um humanity takes itself too seriously it's the world's original sin if cavemen had known how to laugh history would have been different Mm -hmm. i think that was that was nice and the other one was uh conscience Mm. (laughs) conscience and cowardice are really the same thing basil conscience is just the trade name of the firm It made me think. Yeah. I feel like my favorite quotes are like definitely less philosophical because it was like more so like when I was like actually enjoying the book. But um, and I don't know who any of these quotes are from. So like it's just a guess. But um, one of them is youth is the only thing worth having when I find out when I find that I am growing old, I shall kill myself. 
And I just found that really funny and like a very like. I wonder if it was Dorian because like technically he did that. That was Dorian. See some very clear foreshadowing that I missed. <laughs> no, that is clear foreshadowing. <laughs> you know what? He did explicitly tell us he was going to kill himself. <laughs> wow. And then I only have three, but um, there's a quote where Dorian is describing someone and uh, the quote is, he had set himself to the serious study of the great aristocratic art of doing absolutely nothing. And I was like, damn, I wish that was me. And then I think this one is like kind of the funniest, one of the funniest quotes to me. It's when um, uh, when Basil is talking to Dorian about Sybil, and I'm pretty sure it's after it's it's after Henry had already talked to Dorian. Um, and Basil's like, "Why are you not more upset? Like, what is wrong with you?" and Dorian said, you must not think I have not suffered. If you had come in yesterday at a particular moment, about half past five, perhaps, or a quarter to six, you would have found me in tears. Something about, like, funny lines kind of delivered in old English language. I don't know what it is. It just makes them a little bit funnier to me. I like it. Mm -hmm. Those are my three, my top three. I mean, I did kind of like some of the references to, like, myths and history in Dorian's monologues and stuff like that, but overall I thought it was a bit overdone. Like, it was, like, a very long chapter <laughs> of just Dorian thinking about these things and studying these things. Yeah. <laughs> and I also noticed that, like, and maybe this is why... We liked the book later on because I'm learning about myself. I like short chapters and the chapters get noticeably shorter as the book goes on. Whereas like <laughs> in the beginning of the book, I would be like, okay, I'm going to read one chapter and it's page six to 29. And I'm like, you know what? I did learn also reading this book. <laughs> I like a short chapter. Because that's also <laughs> like when it got a lot more self-paced or self-paced, fast-paced. So yeah, I learned that about myself while reading this book because trying to read one, like, I don't know, like 13 page chapter, which in that's really not that much, but like, because I can read 13 pages of a book really fast. I read way more than 13 pages when the chapters were shorter. So I don't know why the way the book is broken up makes such a difference for me. But it definitely does. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? Uh, no, don't think so. You? Not at all. Oh, well. Mm, do I have to announce the next book? Yeah, do that. Um, so the next book uh, that we're going to talk about is my pick. <laughs> um, and it's called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue bye i don't have the book on me so i don't actually know <laughs> i do have the book. i'll be right back it's by v.e schwab okay well i just got up for nothing <laughs> that, that's what google's for <laughs> um yeah i'm honestly excited about this book this has been on my to read for a while i think me too so i actually got this book for christmas so all right well if you want to follow us on social media our instagram and twitter is at bookbevies, and our gmail is bookbevies at gmail.com for longer email inquiries uh don't forget to rate review and subscribe goodbye bye thanks for listening thanks for listening 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.